Don't touch that phone. You're listening to the Mutual Audio Network, and there's no escape. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Strong themes and coarse language may apply. Squadron Leader Jack Steele and the Starblade by Chris Burdett. Episode 2, A Close Shave. The year is 1936 and the attention of the civilized world is focused on Europe where dark clouds are gathering for all to see. But few people know of the sinister forces that truly lie behind the chaos. Forces that squadron leader Jack Steele has encountered firsthand whilst at the controls of the experimental aircraft Destiny. A first encounter that may also prove to be his last. Don't you worry, Miss Yvette. Jack's been in worse scrapes than this before. Jack, have you tried the reserve fuel tank? No good, old fella. Something that played havoc with the electrics. I'm going to try to eject manually. Oh, Jacques! No, look up there. It's his parachute. You stay here, miss. I'll just get the first aid kit from the truck. Why? Do you think he might be hurt? I doubt it, miss. He just keeps a nice bottle of single malt in there. Says that a quick snifter is all he needs to fix him up after one of his crashes. Mind you, it's nearly empty now. There, that should do it. How do you feel? Yes, quite. Well, you're a fine figure of a man. I could picture you training up for the Olympics this summer if they didn't have such pernickety rules about competitors being alive. What do you think of him, Grigori? What? Oh, him. Yes. Very good. Um, Mordred? Yes, Grigori? Ah, here we go. This one looks pretty much intact. I was, well, wondering if I could have, you know, a jolt. A what? A, a jolt. From, from your Tesla rifle thing. That device which you are holding. Gregory, the reconstitulator is designed to animate dead flesh, creating a useful but mindless slave for the greater glory of the Empire. You seem to be quite animated already. Yes, but I am dead though. That's not the point. So am I, for that matter. Or did you think it was just diet and good cheekbones that left me looking this good after one and a half millennia? I was poisoned, you know. Just think yourself lucky that I chose to record your brain state. Otherwise, you'd be about as interesting as Mr. Mouldy here. And I was shot and drowned in a freezing river. Although right now, I'd rather go for a drink with this bunch of mindless zombies than you, you whinging lunatic. You know, they had to cut a hole in the ice before they could get me into the water. Looking back, I think it may all have been premeditated. Gregory, I don't care. I brought you back because of your exemplary work on behalf of our glorious masters. The Bolshevik Revolution has turned Imperial Russia into an international wild card. Anarchy is served, humankind as a unified force is weakened. Jolly good show and all that. 
but your maudlin preoccupation with the small matter of your own death is really getting on my wick. Oh, just a short zap would do. I don't have as much get up and go as I used to. Well, considering your previous reputation at the Imperial Court, that's hardly surprising, is it? Ah, Helga. Hello, boys. Arguing again? One argues with one's equals, Fraulein. In the case of Gregory Rasputin, it is merely berating. Did I mention that they actually shot me twice? Hmm, I see. Well, you may wish to know that an officer of His Majesty's Metropolitan Police Force is prowling around in the graveyard above us. Well, I suppose we can hide in here. He's unlikely to venture into a crypt. No, there's no time. I received word from our masters this afternoon. It seems that one of their scout ships was spotted by another aircraft. Helga, it'll be your job to find out how much they know. Take these zombies with you as backup. Gregory? Yes? Run out of the tomb yelling and screaming. Make sure that the policeman chases you, but try not to get caught. <sighs> I get all the best jobs. Hey, Roser, over here. Oi, you there. Get back here, you bloody vagrant. I am not a vagrant. I am favored servant of Gleshintara. Well, Dr. Brunel, that's the biggest piece I can find. Ah well, you've found the black box, Charlie. It's especially designed to withstand the impact of a crash. I've always wondered why you technical bods don't make the entire plane out of the same stuff. Yes, well, quite. I'm afraid it's an issue of solid steel boxes lacking the required aerodynamic properties. Come on, Doc. Spare us your student lectures. I haven't clapped eyes on a single undergraduate since I left Edinburgh University to work on this project. Heavens be praised. Education's loss is the RAF's gain, Doc. Now, is there any chance it got a picture of the thing that caused the crash? I'm afraid it's telemetry only, Jack. No pictures. But if I just plug it in here... Hmm, interesting. It looks like the electrical circuits all simultaneously failed. Secondary, tertiary, the lot. Was it some kind of weapon, Doc? It may well have been. Jack, did, did you see any kind of discharge from the other aircraft, or did your fillings tingle noticeably? Afraid I've got a perfect set of gnashes, Doc, and the blinder didn't seem to fire anything. He just floated there. Floated, eh? One of my side projects is looking into the possibility of using powerful electromagnetic generators to push against the sub-etheric currents in the atmosphere. Any such device is large enough to allow a craft to defy gravity would certainly cause this effect. But if it's still just a theory, you could have possibly built one. Not a country in the world is as advanced as Great Britain. Well, it's a project that has in fact reached the practical stage, Charles, but I'd need to speak to Professor Sterling before I could tell you any more. The Prof? But what's an history waller got to do with an experimental airplane? More than we might expect, Charlie, I'll be bound. Now, I suppose I should go and inform Mr Lack. After all, it was her airplane. Has Guinevere got a full tank, Charlie? Filled her up this morning, squadron leader. Made sure the chrome was polished and the upholstery buffed too. I swear you take more interest in that car than any one of your airplanes, Jack. Gwynny's got a special place in my heart, Charlie. You know that. Now, where's the staircase to the surface, Doc? Hello? Hello, Mr Lack? Yes, who is this? My name is Helga von Schmidt. I am a writer amidst the Great Kites of Europe magazine. 
I understand that you are the owner of Dulac Aerospace, who have recently built the Destiny aircraft? I don't, I don't know how, I mean, I don't know what you are talking about, mademoiselle. We journalists have our sources, Rally. But of course, I would not dream of asking you to betray any official confidences. Rather, I would like to speak with you regarding the commercial side of your business. Perhaps I could arrange a luncheon date. This afternoon at the Ritz? Well, uh, I don't think I have any other plans. That sounds lovely. Shall we say three? So, Miss Dulac, how is it that a single woman, not yet out of her twenties, is in charge of France's largest aeronautics company? Well, uh, my father sadly died two years ago, leaving me the company. He knew Maman would want nothing to do with it, you see. Of course, it should have gone to my older brother Patrick, but he died a few years ago as well. I'm sorry to hear that. Ah, here is the tea. <laughs> well, really? Quite, quite. I do not know where they get these waiters from. But you were saying about your company's involvement with the British RAF. Was I? Uh, well, I suppose that I came to know Squadron Edia Steel through Paul Patrick. They worked together doing all sorts of secret stuff, but really I, I should not... <laughs> Mon Dieu! He has upturned the entire table! But, Mademoiselle von Schmidt, what is that in your lap? This? Oh, damn. To be honest, this is a revolver. <gasps> now, Miss Dulac, I suggest that you proceed without undue fuss to the door, for I have a car waiting. <laughs> or why not simply step through the window here now that there is a hole? What? Who are you really, Mademoiselle von Schmidt? Or will be revealed soon enough. The next one will go through your pretty face. Now come, get into the car. I say, you there. Sir, I'm afraid that the dining area is temporarily unavailable due to a disturbance. May I make you a reservation for later this evening? Dash it all, no. I'm looking for a friend, Miss Yvette Dulac. Her staff said she'd come here. She's slim, dark-haired, dashed pretty, to be frank with you. Oh, and French. Oh, I'm afraid the lady in question has left, sir. Left? Yes, sir, with another young lady, similarly proportioned, but uh, of the blonde persuasion. Oh, and at gunpoint, sir. Good grief! Yvette? Kidnapped? It would appear so, sir. As I informed the constables, they left in a rather jolly sports convertible heading northwest, but I fear that the policemen on their bicycles are at something of a disadvantage in the pursuit, sir. Thank you kindly, my man. Have a shilling for your trouble. I'll never forgive myself if anything happens to a vet. Come on, old girl, don't let me down now. Oh, you lunatic! Well, I must be on the right track. And we're well out into the sticks now. Can't be much further now. Wait, what's that? It's hidden behind that barn, but I never saw a tractor painted Inferno Red before. There! A light on in the farmhouse and a sports car parked outside. Yvette! In a close shave, Jack Steele was played by Neil Frankham, Charlie Bilkins by James Harvey, and Yvette Dulac by Lucy Burton. 
Mordred was played by Nigel Potter, Rasputin by Tom Butterworth, and Helga von Schmidt by Lauren Orton. Bill McSweeney was Dr. Brunel, and Professor Sterling was played by Robin Orton. The narrator was Guy Ranawira. Sound production by Frank Redding, and original music composed and performed by Bill McSweeney. The episode was directed by Chris Burdett. Squadron leader Jack Steele and the Starblade is an It's a Trap production. Dramadarians. Friends, why are you smoking anything other than dromedary cigarettes? That's D-R-O-M-E-D-A-R-Y. D for delicious Virginia tobacco. R for relaxing. O for outstanding value. M for more smokers love them. E for e-eucalyptus. D for delicious Virginia tobacco. Again, a for American Medical Association, R for, um, relaxing again, I guess, and Y for why smoke anything else. So remember, friends, the American Medical Association says that dromedary cigarettes are the healthiest cigarettes they've ever tested. In the pack or in the carton, dromedary cigarettes should be your new cigarette choice. Dromedary cigarettes! The smoke with only one hump. Take it away, dromedarians! We're endorsed by the AMA. If you're gonna smoke, smoke the one hump way. Smoking for your health so you don't die. D-R-O-M-E-D-A-R-Y The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together. <laughs>